Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Tuesday the 14th of February 2012, entitled, How to Be Happy, and the Bible reading is Psalm 1. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, amen. Good to see you tonight. Praise the Lord for His people, and thank God for Bethel Free Baptist Church. I love this place. I love the people here. And you know, a church ain't just a building, it's the people. And so I thank God for the people at Bethel uh, Free, and I thank God for your pastor and his family. And I know it's been a a good day, but I know for many of you, it's probably been a busy day. Amen? Busy day? So why don't we do this? Why don't we just inhale and then exhale? All right, don't that feel better? All right, good. Psalm chapter number one. Psalm chapter number one. I'm going to speak on a topic tonight that I think everybody... Uh, wants uh, to know about and would like to have, and I hope tonight, if you do have it, that you maintain. And this will be a this will be a message of maintenance. But if you don't have it, I hope it, and pray that you'll apply what you hear, what the psalmist says tonight, and that it'll make a difference in your life. Um, uh, Pastor Iverson, there's a there's a lot of people that seek for this thing we're talking about tonight, but many many never find it because they're looking at the wrong places and they're looking at the wrong person, and so. I hope and pray tonight that you'll listen on purpose. So uh, uh, let's look and see what the Scripture has to say to us tonight. Psalm chapter 1, and we'll start in verse number 1. It's an amazing thing that the first word of the 150 songs that David and many others wrote starts with the word blessed. The word blessed basically means happy or multitude of blessings. If I could give you a hillbilly definition or a North Carolina definition of it, it would be a barn full of blessings. Amen? And so that's what the Scripture's saying. David basically says this. He said, Blessed or happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now listen to it. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day... And night. Look at verse number three. It says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Look at verse number four. Now we go from the really good stuff to the unfortunate crowd. Look at what it says in verse number four. And the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to preach to you tonight on this subject, how to be happy. How to be happy. And if I can add it, how to be happy God's way. All right, before I preach, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder tonight if you have your heart wide open and you would say with me, Preacher, I'm willing to do whatever God speaks to me about in order for me not just to be content with life, but to be happy in Jesus. And I'm willing to do whatever God speaks to me about tonight, get that thing which is in my life out of the way so I can keep my eyes focused on Christ so He can give me the happiness that I need. And I'm willing to do that tonight. You could raise your hand with mine. Are you willing to do that? Father, you see the hands that represent the hearts. Now, Lord, you said, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. And so I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us. As the the, uh, writer of Philippians, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Help us to thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our life and know from what the psalmist says right here how 
to be happy in our lives. And we'll love you and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Folks, in 1961, a man by the name of Jim Frankel wrote this in the Cleveland Press a long time ago because he said we live in what, I, what, what he called at that time the entertainment generation. He says, if our country, where I'm from, America, he said, if America ever ceases to exist and it crumbles, he said, there will be an inscription written or an epitaph on its gravestone with these words, they entertain themselves to death. Listen, folks, we are living a generation where we are absolutely entertained. But if that is the case, Brother Carl, why do we seem, not just God's people, but in general, why do we seem like the most unhappy people that's ever lived? Folks, you show me somebody that wants to be miserable, and I'll show you a pretty unusual person. I don't know anybody that just wants to be miserable. Now, there's a lot of people that act like it. But you show me, by and large, in general, you show me a person, Steve, that uh, is happy, <laughs> I mean genuinely happy, and you know what, I'll show you a very unusual person too. Can I say this about my country? I don't know how it is in the UK, but in my country, one out of every five people go to a psychiatrist once a week. The ma major leading drug in the United States of America is a drug called Valium. Hello? Ladies and gentlemen, one out of every two first marriages end in divorce. And two out of every three in America second marriages end in divorce. Eighty percent, listen to this, suicide in America is up 80 percent since 2005. That means that, every, listen, every 60 minutes a person takes their own life. I want to ask you a question. If that is the case... If we say that we live in this utopia of a society and everybody has just all this stuff at their fingertips, why are we as a society so unhappy? I believe and I contend to you the reason why is because people don't know what true happiness is and don't know where to find it. May I say this, ladies and gentlemen? God wants you to be happy. God does want you to be happy. Psalm chapter number 16 and verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are treasures forevermore. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord giveth grace and glory. No good thing, Tyler, will he withhold from them that walk. A good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed or happy is the man that trusteth in thee. Psalm 144 verse 15, it says, Happy, I didn't make this up, this is in the Scripture. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So pre listen, you say, well, preacher, I know the Bible tells us we ought to be joyful in the Lord, but do you understand that the Scripture says we can be happy too? Do you know in Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus preaches on the Sermon on the Mount, and nine times in nine verses, Gareth, he says, Blessed or happy. Nine times, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. And nine times, Jesus says, happy are those that put their trust in me. But you know what? It all came full circle when I found a verse. In John chapter 13 and verse 17, Jesus made this statement. He says this, if you know these things, happy are ye, listen to this, qualified, if, listen, if you do them. You know what I found out, folks? The more Scripture you know and the less you obey, the more guilty you'll feel. But the more Scripture you know and the more you obey, the more godly you'll be. 
Let me say that again so it'll soak in. The more Scripture you know and the less that you obey, the more guilty you'll feel. But the more Scripture you know and the more that you obey, the more godly you will be. So ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? The key to happiness or the avenue to happiness starts with holiness. Now I'm not talking about carrying a Bible bigger than anybody else. I'm not talking about you dressing better than everybody else. I'm not talking about you witness to more people than anybody that you work with. A holiness is not that. Holiness is saying, Lord, I want to separate myself unto you for your service. And why is it that we want to... And you know what? I know it's going to get a little uncomfortable here in a minute because I'm going to talk about a subject nobody wants to talk about and it's a little three-letter word called S-I-N. By the way, you say, well, preacher, I was having fun up to this point. Now you're going to get on sin. Now you're going to meddle where I'm, you know, you're going to preach where I live. No, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We are, uh, we are conditioned to think that a preacher, all he's going to do is talk about positive stuff and the, and the heaven that we're going to spend eternity in. But you know what? Before we get there, we got to take care of a little problem called S-I-N. Can I ask you something? If we, listen, if we really are to be happy and God wants us to be happy, what are the conditions? What is it that we've got to do in order to be happy? The psalmist spells it right out here. Folks, it ain't hard. I didn't make this up and I'm not a very smart guy, but I just read the scripture and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I want you to look at what David said. Look at verse number one. If we're going to be happy people, listen folks, it starts with holiness. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now, panels, I didn't say that. I didn't make that up. Jesus Christ said that. You want to be happy tonight? He says, if you know these things that I have said unto you, happy are they that those can be happy if they do them. See, the avenue to happiness starts at holiness. And folks, that means you've got to be separated unto the Lord. I want you to look at what it says. Now listen, God wants you to be happy. And I want you to look at verse number 1. In order for a man or woman, by the way, this word blessed is in the plural form. So it means multitude of blessings, multitude of happiness. You know what God wants to do? He wants to fill your wheelbarrow up. He wants to load your wagon down with happiness. But the reason why some of us are unhappy and miserable is because we can't get our eyes off the problems, off circumstances. We want to acquire things. We want to accumulate wealth to ourselves instead of giving it out. And may I say this to everybody under the sound of my voice tonight. If you only want to acquire things for yourself, you are a cesspool and not a channel of a blessing. You've got to have an entrance and an exit to be blessed of God. I know this is very, very, this ain't high math, okay? Two plus two equals four. This is a very, very simple thing. If you put a sponge in a sink and let it retain water, take it out of the water, put it on the counter, and do not wring it out, in a week it will rot. It will begin to turn, it'll have penicillin growing on it. You know what I'm talking about? problem with us is we acquire so much sometimes of Scripture. And this is what I love about church sometimes is, you know what, as a crowd, as a congregation, many times you get to sit there and soak it in and you get to enjoy this thing. I, I like coming to church, don't you? I mean, I like coming. Even though I have to run my mouth for about an hour and a half, I still like coming. I do. But you know what, folks? A lot of times we sit here and we, in, listen, we enjoy it because we get to soak it up. But you know what? 
I look at people sometimes when the offering plate, and I'm not preaching about money, but just let me say this, because there's a lot of times that the pastor will call me up to sit on the platform while everybody else is give, you know, giving in the offering plate and taking the offering, and i got to watch people give. Let me say this, folks. The only part of the service most of the time people don't enjoy is when they have to give back. They like soaking it all in, but it's when they got to do something that they don't enjoy it. You know what, folks? We can, give, we can be happy even when we give. The Bible says give cheerfully. That means hilariously. That means give happily. Huh? Some of y'all ain't much liking this, are you? Don't look like you are. But you know what? It's okay. We'll be done in about 37 minutes. If you believe, you don't believe that. I know you don't. But I want you to look at this. Look at chapter number 1, verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You know, Pastor Iverson, I've read over this thing many times, and it just hit me. What was David talking about? I like the way he talks about it in a negative fashion. He said, happy is the man that don't do this. See, many times we talk about what we do that makes us happy, but David said, you'll be happy if you don't do this. Blessed are happy, multitude, barnyards of happiness. Amen? Woohoo! I mean, barnyard full. Multitudes of blessing come to the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if a man's going to be happy, a happy person, a happy lady, a happy man must, number one, avoid sin. May I say it again? A happy person must avoid sin. Now see, this is where I'm going to meddle a little bit. David says, Blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a few areas right here that... And here, by the way, folks, eight of the Ten Commandments are nots. Can I say that? Eight of the Ten Commandments that we have in Exodus chapter 20 are nots. Thou shalt not. Okay, so don't get mad at me. Don't get angry because you might have to forsake something. By the way, Paul told Timothy, keep thyself pure. He said, flee youthful lust. You know what, Malcolm? We are older men, but we know this. You don't just accidentally become pure. You have to keep yourself pure. Listen, Paul said, flee youthful lust. That means, you know what? You ain't by accident just going to be, you know, absent from lust. You've got to flee it on purpose. So folks, listen to me. David said, blessed or happy, Tim, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. A happy person must, Steve, avoid sin. You say, what kind of sin? Well, the first one is this. You need to avoid, listen, you need to avoid sinful counsel. You need to avoid sinful counsel. Let me read you a verse. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 24, 6 says this, For by wise counsel shall thou make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Can I say this? If you want to know the direction of your life, and you're, de listen, debating over it, and you don't have any good counsel or any good wisdom, don't go to the horoscopes. You go to the Holy Word of God. Amen. Hey, listen, don't go to a psychologist. Listen, get off the couch and run to the cross. See, folks, it's time that we get our happiness from the one that can give it to us. We're seeking for all other avenues to make us happy but except the one that can actually give it to us, Steve. And everything else will make you empty. I'd rather have Jesus in silver or gold than any riches could afford, this world could afford to, to give to me. Listen, folks, happiness starts with avoiding sin. Avoid sinful counsel. 
Be careful who you get your counsel from. Be very careful. You know, I, I said it the other night. You know what? A lot of people, instead of going to God's Word, they watch all these late night talk shows and all these other things. And I'm not talking... Listen, I'm not talking about uh, uh, news and things that where you can acquire information. But you know what? There's some people that will basically get on TV and say, there are many other ways to heaven except Jesus Christ. Can I say, everybody that believes that's a part of a cult. But yet they're going to accuse us of being one. Folks, let me tell you something. You've got to avoid sinful counsel. Number two, I want you to look at the second part of the verse. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. See, number one, you've got to avoid sinful counsel, but number two, you need to avoid sinful companions. I know this in my own life, Tyler. There was a day and age in which, you know what? I'm thankful for Jesus Christ because, you know what? If you'd have saw my friends back then, you'd have probably figured out what my future was going to be. You show me somebody's friends, I'll show you your future. It says right here, nor standeth in the way of sinners. You know what the word standeth means? It means to stand in the midst of them. It means to stand with them, not against them. It said, I don't want you to stand in the way, the way they go. I don't want you to stand in their way of the what? Of the sinners. Now, folks, I'm going to say this. God does not expect perfection from you. He expects progression. That's what sanctification is. God never called you to be perfect. The only time you ever will be perfect is when you die and you go to heaven. You will not be perfect until you get to glory. So folks, can I go in and contend to you that, listen, it says right here, I don't want you to stand in the way of sinners. Listen, avoid sin. What kind of sin? Sinful counsel. Hey, listen, if you got a problem, you get, listen, there is safety in a multitude of counselors. You go to Pastor Larry. You get with the elders of the church. You go to some good godly men that can give you some counsel from the Word of God instead of going to a psychologist or to the horoscopes. You're welcome. Sinful counsel. Number two, sinful companions. Sinful companions. You know, when my kids were eight, nine years old, I used to pick their friends out for them. Well, preacher, that's old-fashioned. Well, air and water are too, but you get them, they're good for you, it doesn't matter. You know, it's all right. You want to know why? Because you show me people's friends, I'll show you in their future. See, folks, here's the thing. The way you pick friends is, number one, you find out if they fear God, and number two, if they follow God. If you want to find good friends, number one, you find out if they fear God, and number two, if they follow God. Psalm 119.63 says, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee, and they that keep thy precepts. Somebody asked me one time, Preacher, what camp you fall into? What camp are you real? What circle you run with? I was like, circle? Camp? I was called to preach. I thought, I didn't, I didn't think I was called to camp. What they were meaning was, what's the circle of influence of preachers do you put yourself around? I said, you know what? I don't care what group you are. I don't care if you're, you know, sword of the Lord or Baptist trumpet. I don't care what you are as long as you love Jesus Christ and you fear God. That's who I want to run with. That's the camp I want to run with. I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and they that keep thy precepts. You want to find out if, listen... If you want to be happy, a happy person must avoid sinful counsel, but number two, sinful companions. 
You know, it's always easier to pull somebody down, Penos, than it is to pull them up. I could stand on a chair at 11 and a half stone and I could have a little bitty boy down here. He don't weigh, he don't weigh 56, 60 pounds soaking wet. And I can guarantee you that little bitty boy could pull me off the chair before I could pull him up on it. And you know what, folks? Here's the thing. We sometimes put ourselves around influences and around uh, people that, you know what? And I'm getting ready to make my next point. That will no do nothing more than drag us down to their level. And folks, I'm not trying to say that we're holier than thou. I'm just saying, if you want to be happy, you've got to avoid sinful counsel and sinful companions. You can't hang around that stuff. Had a guy one time tell me, he said, I went to feed the cows and I came back home and he said, everything stunk like crazy. And he said, I thought I had stuff on my shoes. And he said, I found out when I went to milk the cows, the cows didn't end up smelling like me. He said, I ended up smelling like them. You've got to be very careful. If you want to be happy, a happy person must avoid sin. What kind of sin? Sinful counsel, sinful companions. But number three, look at the last part of verse number one. It says, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the, what? Scornful. That word scorn means to mock with the mouth. You know what you've got to avoid? Number one, you've got to avoid sinful counsel. Hey, make sure you get, get yourself surrounded by some good men or good ladies that can give you good counsel when you are wondering what the will of God is for your life. Amen or oh me? Number two, you ought to get your, listen, get yourself surrounded around some good friends. Don't listen. Don't put yourself in a situation where the companions will drag you down. Because I can tell you, the same ones that got you in trouble will be the same ones that run when the sirens go off. Huh? They'll be the same ones that forsake you when they got you in trouble and the sirens go off, you can't find them. That ain't a true friend. But the third thing, Neil, you got to avoid is sinful criticism. It says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, those that mock with their mouth. Can I ask you a question? How do you use your language? Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You may not mean anything by what you say, but be very careful of how you say it and who's around you to hear it. I was having lunch with a young man given a, his name by the pastor of a church I was preaching a meeting at. I found this young man. I called him and I said, your pastor, he was away from God. He was saved, but he was just, he was just cold and callous. He was hurting. He had been discouraged. Nobody was there to encourage him. And you know what? I just wanted to have lunch with him and I just wanted to shake his hand and tell him I love him and Jesus did too. We went to have lunch and we're sitting there at uh, uh, Penos and I'm talking and this group of guys come in and sit down right behind us in a booth. We're talking and thank God he had to go to the restroom. Thank God he did because their conversation, Carl, began to turn and I found out that these guys were, a, were members of a local, big local church in the town that I was in that week. Not only were two of them out of the five deacons, but the other ones had served on the deacon board prior to that. You should have heard the language that they were using. You should have heard them talk about their pastor. I'm sitting right behind them. You should have heard what they said, Tyler, about where they were going that night as deacons in a church. 
I rarely do this, Steve, but I got up when we got done and I walked over to that table and I tell you, Pastor Iverson, I had tears in my eyes. I wasn't mad. I was upset. I was hurt. And I said, gentlemen, I want to let you know something. I'm a preacher that I'm, I've been in town preaching at a local church across town. And I said, I've got a young man with me today and he was away from God and I just wanted to encourage him. And you know what? I'm thankful he went to the restroom while y'all were talking and having y'all's conversation about your pastor. About the club you were going to tonight and about all your language and off-color jokes that you was telling, I said, because you know what? If I wasn't saved, you probably would be the reason I'd be in hell because I wouldn't want to have nothing to do with Christianity. You know what the Bible says? If you want to be a happy Christian, if you want to be a happy person, avoid sinful criticism. Avoid it. Hey, listen, what do you do when the people at school or at work tell their off-color jokes? Do you just chime right in and laugh? <laughs> That's kind of cute. No, I'll tell you what it ain't. It ain't cute. It's wickedness. Hey, what do you do when somebody talks about another religion or a person at work that may not be just like you and everybody else is scorning them? Hey, are you one that says, you know what? I think we ought to love that person and we ought to try to extend some favor to them. Are you going to have that sinful criticism on your life too? Let me tell you something, folks. The Scripture says, if you want to have friends, you better show yourself to be friendly. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you have a happy disposition? How do you do that in God's way? Number one, you avoid sin, sinful counsel, sinful companions, and sinful criticism. But number two, I want you to look at the last part, the first part of verse number two. How do you, how can you be happy? You say, preacher, I want to have happiness in my life. Well, first of all, a happy person has to avoid sin. That doesn't mean that you won't sin. We know that Romans chapter 6 says, For by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Last time I looked at the Greek word all, it means uh, all. It pretty much means encompasses everybody under the sound of my voice. So listen, folks, you are a sinner, but that doesn't mean you have to habitually commit and act and continue to do it over and over and over and over again. If you do that, you might have a stronghold, and if you do it and don't have no conscience about it, you probably ain't saved to begin with. You need to be born again. So folks, listen, number one, if you want to be happy, a happy person must. Neil, avoid sin. But number two, I want you to look at chapter number one and verse number two. Here's our text and what we're going to read here. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate what? Day and night. So number one, if you want to be a happy person, if you want to be a happy Christian and not just say it, but you want to have a smile on your face and a, listen, a little jump in your step. Listen, number one, you need to learn how to avoid sin. But number two, a happy Christian must absorb Scripture. A happy Christian must avoid sin. But number two, a happy Christian must absorb Scripture. Psalm chapter number 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Thank God. Can I just pay allegiance to the Word of God for a little bit? Thank God for this book. Amen. Amen. Can I say this, folks? When I went to school, we had a movement among our student body that almost crumbled the institution that I graduated from. We had a bunch of students who thought that they knew more than God did. Now, I don't know if you've 
battled with it over here, but we're battling with it like rampant in America, and it's called hyper-Calvinism. I'm not talking about Calvinistic views. I'm talking about fatalism. I'm talking about people that believe that God elected some to go to heaven and others to go to hell. And that's just, listen, if a drunk in the gutter that's scratching and clawing his way as far as he can from heaven and don't want nothing to do with it, if he's one of the elect, God's going to take him to heaven. <laughs> really? And that same God who has somebody begging and pleading with him to go to heaven, if he ain't one of the elect, no, nope, he ain't going to go to hell. That is a bunch of hogwash. That ain't in the Bible and that ain't the God that we serve. Amen? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the Bible says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sin, but not for ours only. He's talking about the Christians. He ain't talking, listen, he says not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He's talking about everybody that ain't under, ain't under grace, that hasn't trusted Christ. Folks, can I say this? God wants to save everybody, but the truth of the matter is everybody won't be saved. How, do you, how can you have happiness? These young men in our school were the most miserable people that I'd ever seen in my life. They'd walk around all mad. How can you walk around saved with a frown on your face all the time? I mean, and here's the reason why. Most of these guys had ten books they're carrying. And ain't one of them the Word of God. All of them are all these authors that have tried to figure out the mind of God and said they've got God figured out. And you know what? They read all of those authors and you don't read the author. You know what will happen? You'll be of all men most miserable. You've got to get in the Scriptures. Stop reading all these other authors and get in the book and I promise you, you read about Jesus Christ and you'll have happiness. The reason why most of us are miserable is because we just decided we want to be that way. I'm saved and mad about it. I'm happy in Jesus and I hate you in the Lord. I mean, how in the world can we have that kind of attitude? I'm serious. There's people that's like that. I deal with them all the time. Folks, I don't want to be known as somebody that is just always miserable and just a sourpuss. Now, don't ask my wife what I'm like a half the time because she'd probably tell you I am. But I'm just saying I want to be somebody that's known as an encourager and it's happy in the Lord. That don't mean everything's going to be happy, but I can have happiness. you got to get out of those books. you got to start reading the book. When I was in 29 Palms, California, I'd been in the Marine Corps almost four and a half years, well, three and a half years, and my wife and I met. I was in 29 Palms, California, the Mojave Desert. 937 square miles of desert, folks. One phone booth at that time, right in the middle of that desert in a little place called Camp Wilson. I can remember that's where they used to have the mail call. There used to be a mail. Man, and I'm telling you, Marines would come out of the woodwork. They'd be waiting on letters from home. But you know what I was waiting on? Not from home. I was waiting on a letter from my honey. Amen. I was waiting on a letter from Veronica. And I'd get that thing, and Steve, it'd be, man, I don't know how, what kind of perfume. I think it was that Chanel number no. 5 or whatever. She would spray that letter with that perfume. Son, when I opened it up, you'd think that every Marine in the world was on base at that time. They would come out of everywhere to try to read that letter. They'd be like a bunch of bloodhounds. <laughs> to find my letter, I said, that ain't yours letter. That's my letter. You can't read that. That's to me. Let me tell you something, folks. We have a love letter. God wrote us a love letter, but many of us don't ever open it up. I dare say, you know what, folks? If we want to have 
a happy disposition, we have to absorb ourselves with Scripture. Not only avoid sin, but absorb Scripture. David said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Can, what? Did it say memorize? Uh-uh. It didn't say uh, just read it. It said meditate therein day and night. Do you know the word meditate in the Hebrew language literally means to murmur? Now, I don't mean a negative murmur, Tyler. It means to murmur under your voice all the time. Perpetual murmuring. That means, you know what, ladies, when you wash the dishes... And I'm getting ready to meddle right now. You know. When you wash the dishes, y'all go, hell, all of them's in there sitting watching TV. <laughs> no, you know what? You don't have to. Huh? <laughs> that ain't the kind of murmur I'm talking about. <laughs> huh? Lord, I, Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry, Lord. Hey, listen, Brother Iverson, murmuring means to meditate. It means to dwell upon. <laughs> Absorb Scripture. Folks, why is it that we don't want to read the love letter God wrote to us? I'm not just talking about just a few little skinny of verses. I'm talking about when is the last time you got alone and you just opened it up, not for any answer that you wanted about your job, but you wanted just divine revelation to flood into your soul. Why don't we do that? I preach at a Christian school. Some 600, nearly 600 students. Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, in order to be a student of that school, you have to sign a statement of faith saying you've been a born-again believer. That you Now, listen, not everybody that says that, not every church member is a believer. They might say something and get baptized. That don't make them safe. But you've got to sign a paper that says you have been born again and you've trusted Christ as your Savior. 600-some kids. I preached a message on the Bible. And you know what? I asked for heads bowed and eyes closed to him. And I gave an invitation. I said, I want to ask you kids something. Of you that are sitting under the sound of my voice, how many of you today could say without any equivocation that you have a time every day that you spend in God's Word? 600 some kids. Ten hands went up. Christian school. And we wonder why we got problems. We wonder why kids are taking their life. Do you want to know how important this book is? Do you really want to know how important it is? It says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.89 Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.140 Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servants loveth it. Psalm 119.160 Thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. May I say what Isaiah said? He said, listen, the flower fadeth and the grass withereth, but the word of our God shall I'll stand forever. Amen. 1776, a man by the name of Voltaire, a French infidel, said, If I die, he said, 50 years after I die, the Bible will not be even in existence. In 1778, he died. May I say this tonight? Can you hold your Bible up if you've got it? Now just wave it around like this. We're going to get Baptocostal. Hallelujah. Amen. Huh? Voltaire's a liar and Jesus is still on the throne. He said, a hundred years after I'm dead, Christians will not exist. Can I get a hearty amen to everybody that's been saved by the grace of God? Amen! Amen. 
And may I say this, 50 years after Voltaire died, they bought his house where he died and he gave his last breath and Geneva Bible, Conve uh, Bible Society bought his house and they distributed Bibles from his house. Amen. God has a sense of humor. The Word of God will always stand. It was good enough to save me. It'll be good enough to keep me. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by God's Word. Can I ask you a couple questions tonight before we move on? Do you have a daily time in God's Word? Now let me ask you families this. Is there a time when you get down as a family and you open God's Word as a family and you have devotion? You say, well, preacher, we're already busy. We're too busy to do that. Well, you're too busy. Is there a time... Listen, how do you memorize? Do you memorize Scripture? How do you do it? I'll tell you how I did mine. I'd put it on index cards. I'd keep them in my pocket, three by five index cards. I'd go to work and I would post it on the forklift. I'd carry me a, a little thing of scotch tape and I'd post them all over the forklift that I was driving on the dock when I was going to Bible college. And I'd just read them. I ran into a lot of things, but I read the scripture and I got it memorized. Amen? I wouldn't recommend that to many of you. But anyway, like you know the statement, don't do this at home. Don't do that when you're on the dock. But how do you memorize scripture or have you done that? You know what? Most of us can memorize a song that we hear on the radio or a little ditty that we hear on a commercial. And we've got that thing ingrained in our brain housing group, but we can't, remember, we can't memorize one verse of Scripture a week. God help us. A happy person must avoid sin, but number two, must absorb themselves with Scripture. Secondly, how do you, listen, do you meditate upon God's Word? That's what David said. His delight is in the law of the Lord, Carl, and in His law does He meditate day and night, 24 hours. You say, well, preacher, I don't know how to meditate. I ain't been to Bible college like you. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not a very smart guy. <laughs> I'm not a very smart... That wasn't right. I'm praying for you. You know what, folks? It don't take a lot to meditate upon Scripture. Let me give you an example. Everybody in this room ought to know uh, Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. Let's quote it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not won't. Now let me give, show you what meditation is. The Lord. Do you know that the Lord there means self-existing one? You say, well, preacher, I don't know those big elegant words. You have. Where do you get that? You went to school to get that and your pastor didn't. Pastor, no. I've got an application on my cell phone and it's a mobile application. You get the Bible and you can look up words and you know what that phone says? That the Lord there means self-existing one. Hello! The Lord, the self-existing one, is. You know what that is? Is is not past, it's present tense. So he is right now my shepherd. Can I ask you something? Is he your shepherd? The only way he can be your shepherd is if you're a sheep. Okay, so let's read it this way. The self-existing one is continually my feeder and my leader. Okay, he's a shepherd. And it says, I shall not want. You know what? That means if he's my feeder and my leader, I'll never have to want for a thing. You know what you just did? You just meditated upon Psalm 23 verse 1. See, folks, you just don't read it and go, oh, I got my scripture reading in today. Jesus wept. All right, amen. I'm good. I'm good. But let me say this, and I'll be done. I know it's getting late. We got to go home. Listen, folks. A happy person must avoid sin. A happy person must absorb scripture. I don't know your life. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I'm telling you this. It's not just good enough to eat on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. You've got to get it all through the week. Amen.
But when you absorb Scripture and you avoid sin, you know what David said? That the happy person will achieve success. Look at it. Listen, he shall be like a tree, Tim, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall, what? Prosper. The only time the word success is used in the Bible is Joshua 1.9. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Let me ask you something. Do you want to be a successful Christian? I'm not sitting here preaching prosperity tonight, but I am preaching that Jesus Christ can prosper you. He can make you be successful. How? You know what I think when people come to church, they're looking for three things. They do it when they come to Bethel Baptist at Regalwood. They're looking for three things. That's me. First thing they're looking for is significance. They want to know they matter. I think every person in here wants to matter. You know what? The greatest thing that you could ever say that God does with you is that He uses you. I think everybody wants to be useful. Amen? I want to be useful to the Master. We don't like to be used, but we do like to be useful. The greatest thing a mother could ever feel is her family would not exist or even be able to, 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 to survive if it wasn't for her. The greatest, listen, the greatest CEO, the feeling that he could have is be the greatest thing in his life is if he knew that his company would crumble if he wasn't the one that was over it. We want to feel useful. I think when people come to church, they want to know significance, they want to know sufficiency, and they want to know they got security. And do you understand tonight, folks, you got every one of those things in Jesus Christ. You are something. You are somebody in Him. Good. Jesus Christ will meet your needs. He said, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you've got sufficiency. Let me tell you something, folks. He's all you need. He's all you need. So you say, well, preacher, if I avoid sin and I absorb Scripture, I can achieve success? Yes. It says... His leaf shall not wither. He bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Can I ask you something? There is nothing more useful than fruit. Fruit is consumed for nutrition. If you're planted, then you'll prosper. If you're not grounded, you won't. If you get around sinful counsel and sinful, listen, companions and sinful criticism, you're not going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You have got to, listen, avoid that sin. You've got to absorb Scripture. And when you do those two things, you can, Steve, achieve success. And then verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so. You know what, folks? It'd be a shame, wouldn't it, for a person to sit in church for 50 years and hear the truth and go straight to hell. But it happens all the time. I'm sure it happens. B.R. Lakin said he would, listen, he said he believed one out of every two Christians that profess Christ. One out of every two people that profess Christ. You ain't a Christian if you just say it. You be in church but not in Christ. Amen? But he said, I believe every one, out, one out of every two people that profess Christ will spend eternity in the region of the damned. Half. 50%. The ungodly are not so. But what do they do? They're like the chaff that's blown with the wind. And burn up. May I say this tonight? Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believeth on them that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 
Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He that, listen, come to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John, listen, John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He said in John chapter number 10, verse 9, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, a thief coming up before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly with extreme enthusiasm. Can I ask you something tonight? Do you have life and life more abundantly? The word enthusiasm comes from two words, in, which means within, and theos, which means God. So the word enthusiasm means God within. If you're going to be enthusiastic, it's going to have to be a work of God. You can work it up. You can try to muster it up. You can try to do all you want to. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. Listen, those are the fruit of the Spirit. And you can't, listen, as a branch cannot work those up, you just have to bear the fruit. You can't produce it. Jesus Christ has to do that. So let me ask you something tonight. How happy are you? See, you can sit here and you can shake your head and go, Amen, that's all right. But really, you and God know if you're happy or not. Have you avoided those sinful things? The sinful counsel? You running with the crowd? Sinful companions? Sinful criticism? Do you get on, on off-color jokes? Do you talk, do all the Pollock jokes and all the off-color jokes? Do you do that? If you do that work, do you fall right in and not even say anything when somebody uses the Lord's name in vain at your workplace? And you just, well, I just, I don't want to offend them. You know what? You better hope God ain't offended when you stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ. You can close your Bibles. I'm done. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed or happy is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You're going to go through some tough times. You can be happy. Happy is the man that endureth temptations. You know what? You're going to be crowned with the crown of life one day at the beam seat of Christ. If you'll just endure the turmoil, if you'll just go through the valley because Jesus goes with you. But may I say this? Psalm 32 verse 1 says, Blessed or happy is he that's transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I met a guy in 2005 in New York City at a church we used to go to. We used to fly to New York because all the flights around where we were from is a lot internationally were a lot higher. Now they've got a little closer and we don't have to travel as far to go. But we used to travel out of New York City and we were in a church there and a guy came up to me and introduced himself and I said, Sir, I hadn't seen you here last two years. He said, I just got out of prison. Now I want to tell you something. This guy, when he shook my hand, about wrung my thumb and my, index, my pinky finger off. It was, he, he clinged to me so hard, I thought he was going, you know, you always want to be tough as a guy. And I was going, it's good to see you, but inside I was going, <laughs> I mean, he literally about wrung my hand off. And he had a smile on his face, Panel. He was from ear to ear, and all I saw was teeth and glasses. He was as happy as anybody I ever met in my life. I said, well, tell me your story. He said, almost 18 years ago, he said, I was put in prison for involuntary manslaughter. He said, I was at a bar, and he said, I got, he said, I got soused. I got drunk as I could get. He said, I got in a car, and I hit a young girl that was 18 years of age, and she was killed instantly. And he said, I went to prison for that. 
He said, you know what? He said, I was in prison for almost 18 years, just got out two years ago. He said, but you know what? Nine years into my sentence, he said, there was a guy that came in there who was a chaplain, and he shared with me what Jesus did for me, and he could take the shackles off my hands and off my feet, and he could release me even though I was still in prison. And he said, I got forgiven of my sin. And he said, you know what? He said, I have never, ever forgot the day that Jesus Christ came and set me free. I said, is that why you're so happy? He said, I've never got over it. You know the song. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me does continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever. I am. How do you be happy? Just avoid sin. Absorb Scripture. And Tim, if you do those two things, you can achieve success. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Thank God for that river. Amen. We'll never thirst again because we're His people. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around tonight. Shelly's going to come to the PN. I want to ask a question tonight. If you're here and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've passed from death unto life because you've been saved by the grace of God. Could you raise your hand right now that you know that you're on your way to heaven? You know you're saved by the grace of God. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Thank you. You're here tonight. You'd say, Preacher, I want to go to heaven. I sure don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, and I want you to pray for me. I'm just not sure, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody that would give me, this preacher, the privilege of praying for you? And you just with an upraised hand say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven, and I don't want to go to hell. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Anybody? All right, Christians, I want to ask you a question with nobody looking around. Are you truly happy in Christ tonight? I'll tell you, if you want to be happy, you must... Avoid those sinful things. You must avoid sinful counsel. You must avoid sinful companions. And some of you, you know what you've done? You've, you've linked and just yoked right in with sinful criticism. You've got to absorb Scripture. Let me ask you something. The more you get in this book, the more this book will have you. Now I want to ask you a question tonight. You say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I want to be more happy. I want God to have His way with me. But there's some things that I need to deal with. Just want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? I just want to pray for you. God sees the hands. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this time that we've had together. I pray that you'd bless the remainder of our week together. And Lord, help us to be happy in you. Help us to light ourselves in the law of the Lord. And in your law, help us to meditate day and night. We'll love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.